Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas yabitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 95, we will be continuing our focus on superlatives. And in this part two, we're going to focus on absolute superlatives. You know, saying that someone is super cool or very smart by using those fantasticísimos. They are one of my favorite Spanish constructs. Not to mention our final cultural tip on Paraguay, where we will go over three interesting and unique Paraguayan customs. So, empecemos! First, let's start with a quick review. If you haven't yet listened to part one, you know, episode 94, I highly recommend that you start with that episode first. For those of you who already have, here is just a quick review. A superlative is when you want to say that something or someone is the best in a group or that it, he, she has the highest level of whatever characteristic or quality you are describing. So when you say that your dog is the cutest dog in the world, you are using a superlative to describe her cuteness. Or if you want to say that your brother is not only funny, but hilarious, you are using superlative to convey that he is extremely funny. A relative superlative is when you make a direct comparison between your subject and someone or something else. This is where you use words like best, slowest, smartest, worst, etc. There are two types of relative superlative. There's the regular one, and this is the one that uses the basic formula subject plus ser plus the definite article, maybe a noun, and más o menos plus the adjective and potentially plus the group. And again, if this doesn't ring any bells, please check out episode 94. So some examples of this is he is the tallest in his peer group. Él es el más alto de su grupo de pares. That desk is the smallest in the classroom. Ese escritorio es el más pequeño del salón de clases. And then we have the irregular relative superlatives. This one uses the superlative adjective formula. So subject plus ser plus the definite article plus the superlative. So, for example, my sister is the youngest in her family. Mi hermana es la menor de su familia. I am the eldest in my family. Soy el mayor de mi familia. What is an absolute superlative? So, let's get to the meat and potatoes of today's episode. The key to absolute superlatives is that they are not a direct comparison of the subject to anyone or anything else. They are used instead to highlight the extreme amount of skill or very high level of a quality or characteristic that someone has. And in Spanish, they do this with their isimos, such as buenísimo, resquísimo, or calentísimo. The basic formula for creating these absolute superlatives is subject plus verb, plus an adjective, plus isimo, or isima. Now, while there are spelling rules for adding the isimo, and we will get to those in a minute, the general rule is that if the adjective ends in a consonant, you just add isimo after it. If it ends in a vowel, you simply remove the last vowel and add the isimo. And please note that because the isimo modifies the adjective, it will need to match the noun in quantity and gender. So here are some examples. My mom has such big shoes. Mi madre tiene unos zapatos grandísimos. My mom has such big shoes. Mi madre tiene unos zapatos grandísimos. His brother is really stupid. Su hermano es estupidísimo. 
His brother is really stupid. Su hermano es estupidísimo. Those girls are super tall. Esas chicas son altísimas. Those girls are super tall. Esas chicas son altísimas. That test was so easy. Esa prueba fue facilísima. That test was so easy. Esa prueba fue facilísima. The stove is very hot. La estufa está calentísima. The stove is very hot. La estufa está calentísima. Now, note how it is not calientísima, but calentísima. This falls under irregular stems, which we will cover in just a minute. So, let's talk about some spelling rules. There are a variety of adjective endings that change how the isimo gets added. So, let's take a look at them. There's the adjectives that have ble endings. And for these, you remove the ble and add bilisimo. So, here are some examples, right? You've got amable which means polite or kind or nice. So if you want to say someone's very polite, you would say amabilissimo. It's not amabilissimo, it's amabilissimo. You change that B-L-E to B-I-L-issimo. Miserable, right? You're miserable or unhappy. Miserabilissimo. You've got estable, you know, someone who's stable. Estabilissimo. By changing the B-L-E to B-I-L, it just makes it easier to say. It just rolls off the tongue more smoothly. All right, then you have the adjectives that end with an N, a D-O-R, or just an O-R. And for these, you add C-S-I-M-O, and that's with a C, C-I-S-I-M-O, C-S-I-M-O. And some examples of this include joven, so young, jovencísimo, hablador, Someone who's talkative. Habladorcísimo. Inferior. Someone who is inferior. Inferiorcísimo. And superior, right? Superior. Superiorcísimo. And then you've got adjectives that end with RE or RO. And for these, you remove the RE or the RO ending and add ERRIMO. So this one's Definitely a little bit more different. It's E with an accent mark, R-R-I-M-O, ERRIMO. And some examples of this would be like acre, which means acrid or offensive. And so this would be acérrimo, acérrimo. You got misero, so wretched, absolutely miserable. This would be miserrimo, miserrimo. Uh, and in that case, actually, you're completely removing the E-R-O, so miserrimo. You've got the salubre, which is healthy, and with this one it would be saluberrimo, saluberrimo. Next, we have our adjectives that end with a C-O or a C-A, and for these, you remove the C-O or the C-A ending and you add quisimo, that's Q-U-I with an accent, S-I-M-O, quisimo. And I think this is to help maintain the proper sound, as normally in Spanish, if you add an I after a C, that would make the C soft, pronounced like an S. So here are some examples. You've got rico, like how delicious something is or how rich. That's riquísimo. You have poco, so small, poquísimo. You have fresco, fresh or cool, fresquísimo. And you have 
blanco, white, blanquísimo. And on a similar vein, we have adjectives with the G-O or G-A endings. And for these, you remove the G-O or G-A ending and add guísimo, G-U-I with an accent, S-I-M-O. And I think this is also to help maintain the proper sound, as normally in Spanish, adding an I after G would make the G pronounced like an H, as in hello. So here are some examples. Largo, large. Larguísimo. Amargo, bitter. Amarguísimo. Next, we have adjectives with Z endings, and for these, you change the Z to a C and add ísimo. So, for example, feliz, happy, would become felicísimo, and tenaz, tenacious, would be tenacísimo. And last, but certainly not least, we have adjectives with irregular stems. So, we'll just go through this list quickly. There's fuerte, strong, fuerte, and this becomes fort, fortísimo. Sabio, wise, is sapie, so sapientísimo. You have fiel, faithful or loyal, becomes fidelísimo, fidel, fidelísimo. Nuevo, which is new, novísimo, novísimo. Caliente, we've talked about, right? It's hot, uh, like temperature-wise, hot. Calentísimo. You have pobre, poor, pobre, becomes paupérrimo. Pauperrimo, ardiente, like burning hot, passionate, ardent, ardentísimo, ardiente becomes ardent, ardentísimo, antiguo, ancient, becomes antiquísimo, antiquísimo, you have amplio, which is spacious or ample, and that becomes amplísimo, you have cruel, cruel, crudelísimo, I'm not sure why it changes to crudel, but crudelísimo. You have cursi, which is corny, also another favorite Spanish word, cursi. And that's cursilísimo, cursilísimo. And then sagrado, sacred, sacratísimo, sacratísimo. And one final note as we wrap this episode up is that with these ísimos, there's always an accent mark on the ísimo part. So doesn't matter where it was before, it's always on the isimo now. Or with the erimo, depending on the spelling rules and whatnot. All right, and then I have a Christmas alert for you guys as we enjoy the Christmas season. My family and I have been enjoying the daily enjoyment of Advent calendars. I love Advent calendars. We have one that we do as a family at night with the names of Jesus and little treats for the kids. But me and my daughter also do three Advents from homeschool languages that focus on language and culture, Christmas-related, of course, for Spanish, German, and French. And right now, they have it on sale, but if you spread the word and send them a photo, they will send the PDFs to you for free. I already have all three, so please don't think this announcement is for that. I already have them. But I wanted to share with you because I truly enjoy using these with my daughter. My son is too little to care, quite frankly, but I hope later... When he is older, he will enjoy them. And since you listen to this podcast, you probably love learning about other cultures and traditions as much as I do. So we used the Spanish and German ones for the first time last year, and I loved learning about the different traditions, doing the crafts, and learning the Bible verse and Christmas songs. That we are doing them again this year. And they just released the French one for 2023, and I am so excited to add that to the morning advent. I'm really hoping they release an advent in Italian as we have their Italian level one box for my daughter and I think she would love it. 
Now, I hope you are enjoying the holiday season. The next two episodes will be in celebration of Christmas with a focus on Christmas songs and Christmas traditions in Bolivia and Chile. Hopefully, I can get both of them done before the before Christmas, but at any rate, the goal is before the end of the year. Now, what about you guys? Do you have any fun or exciting Christmas traditions? If so, please let me know at contact at languageanswers.com. All right, so let's talk about our cultural tip on Paraguay. And as part of our final look at Paraguay, we will be looking at three unique and cool Paraguayan traditions. And this will be our last cultural tip of the year, as the next two episodes are cultural tips in and of themselves. So our first tradition is La Danza de la Botella. And this is one of Paraguay's best-known traditional dances, the bottle dance. Where does it come from? Unsure. One theory is that it stems from the woman bringing water to farmers in times past. Another, that it comes from another traditional Paraguayan dance, the galopa. And after seeing a video of a galopera dancing with a flower vase on her head, I can definitely see the veracity in that claim. The bottom line is, it is an impressive dance where women will dance with glass bottles on their heads. They move around and even lie down on the ground, then get back up all without dropping a single one. And often, they can have four or five stacked bottles at this, like at the same time. This one gal on Spain's Got Talent had ten. <laughs> it's insane. The very last bottle they put on their head has a flag representing the Paraguayan flag. It is such a strange and amazing dance, and I have, of course, included links to an example of a group of women dancing La Danza de la Botella, but also the gal from Spain's Got Talent, as well as the video of the Galopera. So definitely recommend that you check those out. Our second one is Terere, that accent on the E at the end there, Terere. And you cannot talk about Paraguay without talking about the Guarani people. How to pick and choose which Guarani customs to talk about? I figured with my love of tea, what better way to start than with Paraguay's unique version of yerba mate. Now, we've discussed this unique style of tea before when doing a cultural dive into Argentina, so see episode 57 for that, including their ronda de mate, where you pass the mate around among friends, drinking from a gourd with a specially designed straw known as la bombilla. But Paraguay includes fruits and herbs in their version, such as mint and boldo, but they also drink it cold, calling it terere. And instead of a gourd, they traditionally drink terere out of a bull's horn, una guampa. I found a recipe for making terere and, of course, have included a link to that in the show notes. So if you try it out, please let me know what you think. Our third one is pastel mandio. So it's yucca empanada. And this is Paraguay's twist on the empanada. Interestingly enough, empanadas were brought to Latin America via the Spanish, but they themselves got the dish from Muslim conquerors. Although they call it a pastel in Paraguay, it is not a cake. So don't be confused. It is indeed an empanada, but made with cassava, a.k.a. yucca, and corn flour. As you may have guessed by the name, it also stems from Guarani culture, pastel mandio. Now, I found two different recipes that you can try. They both use yucca puree, and they both take some time, so I probably won't be able to make this anytime soon. But if you do, please let me know how it turns out. 
Now, the recipe from Comidas Paraguayas is in Spanish, and the recipe from Camila Made is in English. So, you've got two different versions to try out. Bueno, nuestra estrella de esperanza. Vamos a celebrar el comienzo de la Navidad con la cuenta del origen, el nacimiento de Jesús. Entonces, hoy tenemos Lucas 1, versos 26 hasta 38. Al sexto mes, el ángel Gabriel fue enviado por Dios a una ciudad de Galilea llamada Nazaret, a una virgen desposada con un varón que se llamaba José de la casa de David, y el nombre de la virgen era María. Y entrando el ángel en donde ella estaba, dijo, «Salve, muy favorecida, el Señor es contigo, bendita tú entre las mujeres». Mas ella, cuando le vio, se turbó por sus palabras y pensaba qué salutación sería esta. Entonces el ángel le dijo, «María, no temas, porque has hallado gracia delante de Dios, y ahora concebirás en tu vientre y darás a luz un hijo, y llamarás su nombre Jesús. Este será grande y será llamado Hijo del Altísimo, y el Señor Dios le dará el trono de David su padre, y reinará sobre la casa de Jacob para siempre, y su reino no tendrá fin. Entonces María dijo al ángel, «¿Cómo será esto?» Pues no conozco varón. Respondiendo al ángel, le dijo, El Espíritu Santo vendrá sobre ti, y el poder del Altísimo te cubrirá con su sombra, por lo cual también el santo ser que nacerá será llamado Hijo de Dios. Y he aquí tu parienta Elizabeth, ella también ha concebido hijo en su vejez, y este es el sexto mes para ella, la que llamaban estéril, porque nada hay imposible para Dios». Entonces María dijo, He aquí la sierva del Señor, hágase conmigo conforme a tu palabra. Y el ángel se fue de su presencia. Y qué chévere que también en nuestra estrella de esperanza tenemos unos ejemplos de los superlativos, ¿sí? Altísimo. Muy bien, qué chévere. that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources used for this episode. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can visit the episode's blog and I would love to help you on your Spanish journey. So if you have any questions about today's episode or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, English technical writing, editing, and content creation, or even language consultation and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey, so please, aprovechalo, disfrútalo, y compártelo. ¡Hasta luego! ¡Y feliz Navidad! <music>